0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Britson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, August 26th. Football is somehow right around the corner and you have a fantasy draft probably like tonight or maybe tomorrow or this weekend. They're coming up and, uh, you don't, we don't know what is happening with any of these NFL teams, but we know that we're going to play fantasy and we think there's going to be a 16 game season and optimism is increasing. So let's get ready for football with our fantasy week. Rolling on joining us now for the program uh the one the only Pat mayo uh, of the new mayo media network he has uh launched uh his own uh, wildly successful out of the gates YouTube, uh, YouTube company. Is it a YouTube company? What do you call it? Media? Yeah, company?
1: It's, a, it's a production company. This is, a, we have three shows right now up on Mayo media networks. The old cussed corners, obviously the Pat Mayo experience, football and golf, daily show, uh, and the Dogger Pass podcast, UFC pick show. So we've got a lot of sports coming at you. I, I was thinking about dabbling into election betting, but, uh, I may have turned the comment section off on that.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: you don't want the comments. We actually, uh, Devo showed me some, we're, um, this is how I know that our, and people go to, just search Mayo Media Network and YouTube. If you listen to this program and you want great content, we did, we talked DFS with Gup yesterday. Uh, if you want great DFS content, make sure and subscribe to Mayo, Mayo Media Network. Uh, two points about YouTube. One, uh, apparently our Pick Six podcast channel is blowing up because we're getting, uh, sexy spam emojis. Sweet. on our, on our videos. that means we've made it you know you you haven't made it until you're being spammed by uh, fake pictures of half naked women who are putting banana banana emojis in your youtube comments and two I was gonna say I think it's my so my wife finds this abhorrent and annoying but i've I've gotten like I'm I, like I live and breathe golf DFS and so I've found that throughout the week like Monday through Wednesday. I'll like watch you on my big screen or like the, you know, the, the awesome guys or whoever else I'll watch YouTube DFS shows on the big screen and like take notes as I'm going along. And my wife is like, what, what are you doing? Why are you watching YouTube talks, like DFS, YouTube talk shows on the screen? I'm like, I'm trying to win that cheddar girl. Like what, what do you, what do you need to know? It, do you think this is a possible new long-term medium? Like people just watch YouTube shows on their televisions.
1: I I think so. I mean, that's one of the reasons behind it. Like, I brought my – over the past, like, seven years, I brought my show from audio to video on TV to off TV to online, but still video and audio. Like – you can just press one button and it appears on your TV. What's the difference at this point? Like, and if the production value is fine, like go for it. Like it's not just people in their webcam, just looking at it anymore. It's not to use cameras. So like my show is both available, like on the Mayo media network video, Pat Mayo experience, audio podcast, like I said, daily shows during football season, there's going to be like, 10 podcasts a week. I, I I appreciate how all the sports are overlapping into one. I feel like my wife at the same time is going to be like, you've gone insane and you look horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I like, this is the first time and I'm, I'm, people have been watching. So on our YouTube channel, basically every single video is me in a hat because I don't, I'm not getting, I haven't gotten a haircut because my lady's on maternity leave. And long story with a beard talking to a microphone. And so like, I'm actually wearing a college shirt and have my like hair like it's semi combed because I had to do CBS sports HQ. You knew and, you were like, talking
1: to me, didn't you? That's you right, knew I, I did, was I, Well,
0: you always dress up, you always look sharp in your YouTube. So I didn't want to I didn't want to look like I saw. So, no, I mean like I walked downstairs, my wife was like, What? Are you are you are you sleeping around? What's what why are you what's with the college shirt? Like you don't wear a college shirt in, in like seven months. What are you doing? Um but yeah, I mean it's uh no, I think it's the other, like YouTube TV, which we have, that you don't have channels you just have a list of stuff that you might watch so if you want to go to youtube instead it's it's wild to me how it's sort of all blended in this big thing thanks to smart tvs and i do think there is something to be said for you know in the future like you don't need a you don't need to pay for anything like i can get your show for free on youtube and get dfs advice in golf and, and certainly in football what um so we can't talk golf I, w- I would ask you your picks but we can't talk golf on this podcast i because it's a football show
1: we 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 can't. Can, like, I give, can I give you two names and then we can move on? Let's do it. Rory Adam Scott.
0: Boom. You like Rory this week? He's Rory.
1: Yeah, because you know what happens when you play like crap. Your odds become real good all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, it's like twenty three. It's pretty crazy. And he Rory is Rory had he had like five top fives before the break.
1: Yeah, and he had, has he had seven in a row and he hasn't had a top ten since.
0: It's crazy. Um. I'm actually, I'm I'm going with Scotty Scheffler this week.
1: Oh, yeah. Take, take, take the guy who's not as good as everyone else, but had two hot weeks in a row.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. I love Scheffler. I ordered his hat. No, I've, I've been on Scheffler for like months, but I like, I, lo- I, I just love Scheffler. I love, he's not going to win. I'd take him like top five, top 10. But I mean, well, good luck. Yeah. Uh, look, I think Roy's a great bet. It's a great contrarian play. And it's like DJ last week. Nobody wanted him. And then he just wins by 11 strokes and goes 30 under. Anyway, this is, it is. Okay. <laughs> I I like, I could, I could, I maybe they'll give me a golf podcast. So, uh, football, what percentage of your time, et cetera, how do you split it up between best ball, full season fantasy and like DFS? Like how, how, what's sort of your pie chart look like?
1: So they all – I always find it really strange. Like I talk to some people who are like, well, I do season-long fantasy football. I can't do gambling. It's like it's the same stuff. Like yeah. they're player props. Like DraftKings is player props basically is what you're looking at. Like what is the prop? Do you think they're going to go over the projected total or under? If they go over, you should probably use that guy. It's the same when you're making your start sick decisions or betting on player props. Spreads, a little bit different. Game theory and DraftKings, a little bit different. I don't like best ball. I'm just throwing that out there right now. Best ball was only invented as an excuse for fantasy, quote unquote, experts, which I am not. I like to talk about fantasy. It's fun. I get to yell. Right. But it's so they can be right on everybody. Oh, I drafted him in the 28th round of my best ball. See, I knew. It's like, no, you didn't. You know what's fun? Playing against your friends or against a group of people for money, pride, whatever it might be. And then you have to make that decision every single week of starting this guy or this guy because you're going to be wrong some of the time and you're going to be right some of the time but that decision's on you best ball takes that fun out of it i get the appeal of it especially in a year like this where we don't know how like the covid injury report is going to work and even you know, there could be a, if you have guys in a monday night game what, what happens if the monday night game gets canceled i actually don't know what happens in best ball it wouldn't make a difference because it uses you don't ever make bench mistakes i mean that that's fun it it's the fantasy baseballification of football and I don't like that. There's a reason that no one plays fantasy baseball
0: anymore. It, it was, it was hard to get people to play fantasy baseball this year. I opted out. I opted out. I, I quit a league out. and <laughs> I opted out. I was like, I can't do this anymore. We, uh, and then down. 20 years. I think I, I think I have two leagues and I don't care about them. Like I, like I, I just don't care. It's hard to get into it and I, and I love baseball, but yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it's the season leagues, it's the gambling and it's the, it's the DFS. And I don't, just don't do a lot of best ball because it also feels like you're betting on a future with, with that, with like, with, with weird odds maybe, which is why I don't, I don't really like it. Um, when you look at how you want to construct your season long leagues, I, I drafted a team yesterday for CBS sports.com that, uh, was featured on HQ and Heath Cummings actually blitzed me for it. I went from the eight spot in PPR, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham, Tyler Lockett and my theory this year Pat is that I want to go running back running back early and that because wide receiver is so deep do you think there's merit to that are you the zero RB guy this year what are what's sort of your general draft strategy in the first couple of rounds
1: I never go in with one thing, and I think it really does depend on where you pick. But I think in the first three rounds, you just take the best player available. I was actually talking to Sealy, Jake Sealy, from The Athletic uh, on my show about this, that I do think that in a 12-team league... I think my favorite start that you can have is get pick one. Pick one's a pretty good pick out here. That way you get McCaffrey. And then you don't need to worry about a running back, too, in case McCaffrey goes down. But, hey, if your first-round pick goes down, you're probably not going to win anyway. So you take McCaffrey, and then you live in some crazy world where people do what you're thinking, where, hey, I need to get these running backs. I have to get them. That all of a sudden, Kelsey falls to the end of the second round. And then you can double up with Kelsey and Kittle as your second and third-round pick. Monopolize the tight end market. Have a tight end and have a flex, be good to go. Uh, I, I just think that is a hilarious way to start your team. And I think it would be pretty optimal, to tell you the truth. Like, Kelsey, I think, is the most undervalued, him and Kittle. Because if you were to think of Kelsey as a wide receiver, I mean, he's been the number one tight end for the past four years. Uh, he should realistically be a first-round pick this year. He'd be wide receiver number six, I think, uh, if you projected it all out. But he gets the glory of playing the position where there are no good players. So having him is such an advantage against the field if you're just thinking about relative position value. So I think the most common way to approach your team this year is running back, running back. And if you get one of the first three picks, you're probably going to take a running back. Hell, if you get one of the first five picks, you might go just rattle them off. If you go Christian McCaffrey, then you go Barkley. Then you go Elliott. And then I have Michael Thomas at number four. But if you wanted to go Cook and Delvin Cook, uh, Delvin Cook and Alvin Kamara in those four or five spots, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. Like, they make a lot of sense. Um, but Kelsey and Devontae Adams, if you can get those guys, like, the 12-13 turn, that's such yeah. a glorious start. Because Adams is so much closer to Michael Thomas than Julio, who would be, like, the next guy behind him and that tier of receiver. Like, I would say that there's probably, I, this is probably a bit high because there's, you know, so many receivers of what, like 200 receivers that matter in football. But the yeah. odds on favor to lead the league in targets is Devontae Adams. And I don't think it's particularly close.
0: You don't, you don't, you're not an Alan Lazard truther. Is that what you're yeah. saying? You're just- I mean, he
1: might be on the field. That's, that's great. Maybe they can put run NVS run back out there too. Fantastic. I mean, these guys actually have to catch the ball. Adams catches everything. He's their red zone guy. And there's no team like smoke and mirrors their way to a good record, much like the Packers did last year. And that's not to say that they're going to be bad this year, but they might be trailing in a few more games, which means, yeah, I mean you can run the wishbone with AJ Dillon and you can get Jamal Williams back out there and compliment Aaron Jones. But you might have to throw a little bit more. And like
0: Javante Adams was hurt for half of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. No, it's a great point. I, I, I have no problem with that. If you go McKay, like if I go McCaffrey one, and this is maybe a little bit different in terms of my strategy too. It's like, and it's all, it's all, it's all relative to where you're drafting. Like if you have one, if you have one, two and three, yeah. I'm not just going to take Derrick Henry because he comes back to me. Like I'm, I'm you know, I'm not just like, a, like I have to have a running back too. No, I mean, I'll make, I'll make do with Ronald Jones later and pair him with Christian McCaffrey. If I have to, I, I'm like, yeah, I'd rather have, uh, you know, uh, Adams or I even, I'm really high on the lions this year and Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay in particular. I, I know okay. people, I actually got laughed off a of radio the other day because I said, I, I think the lions can win the division. He's like, shut up, get out of here. Please leave. Um, but I think like Gall- like like if you Galladay and Devontae Adams like that pairing for your first two wide receivers along with one of those early running backs, you've got a great start. Are you taking a tight end in the first or, or the second round, second or third round, if you're at that top almost every time, whether it's Kelsey or Kittle?
1: Uh, I started five in a league two weeks ago. They're like the only real one that I've really done so far. I'm waiting until as long as possible yeah. to do my draft. I think we're doing our like my main draft the Wednesday, the night before football actually starts, just to make sure nothing goes wrong. Uh, I'm going to stick someone else to put the inputs in because uh, we do this offline and, you know, I don't want to have to do that. Like, I got new shows. But the way that I think about it is I, number five, I took Michael Thomas. Then this was in full point PPR. And then at my next pick, I was looking at the board. Like I really like Miles Sanders. I really like Kenyon Drake. Um, I know that both of them are now banged up. So this was two weeks ago. Uh, and I wanted one of those guys to fall to me. I'd be like, boom, smash. Let's get a running back. Now this is great. Both those guys went and then Kelsey was there. I was like, all right, let's go Kelsey. So I now have the best wide receiver. I now have the best tight end. So now all of a sudden my draft strategy is completely changed because kind of like you, I love these mid-tier receivers. If my receiving core could be Galladay, McLaurin, DJ Chark, and then throw on one more, Marvin Jones even, even though having two guys on the same team seems weird. I like both those guys this year from a fantasy standpoint, just because there are so few options in Detroit. But you go Thomas, you go Kelsey. I got Galladay in the third round. Like I still don't have a running back. Like I ended up taking Le'Veon Bell in the fifth. I don't like Le'Veon Bell, but he's going to get all the touches. So when I started compiling it that way, I decided to continue to go heavy on wide receiver. Uh, and then start picking up little pieces of running backs along the way. I think one interesting strategy to do is like some people like to handcuff. Like if you take Delvin Cook, you have to have Alexander Madison. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to lose your first round pick? What you want to do is take the other people's handcuffs. So if you don't have Delvin Cook, yes. Go take Alexander Madison. I have Latavius Murray in every draft. I have Chase Edmonds in every draft. I have Damian Harris in every single draft. I mean, Damian Harris just might be the starter in doing One for all we know. Who knows what's going on with Sony Michelle? He's probably not going to play Week One. He has like degenerative knee syndrome. Like, it means a lot for Todd Gurley, but it doesn't mean a lot for Sony Michelle. Give me a break. Uh, and she, people just don't like. Uh, the also, trust.
0: also, Mike Mike Reese is out there. He's talking about like uh, Damian Harris's
1: soft hands. Damian, I didn't know Damian Harris had soft hands. Yeah, I know that Mike, Mike Reese is probably fake news
0: though i <laughs> no, but you know, I mean? like all these guys are like like they showed the numbers like jeff Ho put up like the list it was like like he had more targets than james white and julian edelman like i've given to me i'll i will i did Damian harris in the eighth round in a draft uh yesterday i'll take all the Damian
1: harris oh so he's going higher now i got him like the 14th like two weeks no, i got i
0: got i got made fun of for doing
1: it so okay well the buzz is mounting either way so if okay. you want to piece together your team like that you go and i ended up with Kyler Murray in that, too. I reached on Kyler Murray in the sixth... No, I got him in the sixth round, so it turned out to be okay. What I wanted to do, if I wasn't going to get the elite running backs, which I clearly don't have, uh, but you still have to think, like, running back, there is a huge advantage to having the good ones versus the mid-tier ones, because they score so many more points. Uh, But, like, McCaffrey scored seven points a game more than any other running back last year. So take McCaffrey out of the mix. So if you don't get the one pick, you don't have the best player. Even if he regresses by 20%, he's still the highest-scoring running back. So... If you look at the next gap, uh, it's still only two spots on your team. You have to play two running backs in most leagues, uh, and then your flex you can fill up with whoever the wide receivers. There's three of them, so inherently they're more valuable in that way. Tight end, the gap between the top two and everyone else is hugely pronounced. That you can piece it together. It's going to make you uncomfortable when you look at your team. It may not be great week one, and maybe football ends week two, and it doesn't really matter. But by <laughs> week eight, uh, if all like, let's say Alvin Kamara goes down. I I don't want that to happen. I never pray for injury. But you want to put yourself into a fantasy position where you're able to take advantage of that. Latavius Murray is a top five running back if Elvin Tamara doesn't exist. So if you can just luck your way, you you need luck in fantasy football. To pretend like you don't is crazy. But you want to put yourself in the right position to actually benefit from having good luck. And then the handcuff strategy is the best way to do it. And especially in a year like this, where what happens if if someone gets COVID-19, well, I don't actually know what happens. They're out. I saw one report like very early on. It's like they're out for six months. Like, well, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Right. But like, let's say, let's say that Alvin Kamara gets COVID-19 in week 15 or week. Yeah. Week 15 of the NFL season. And he misses weeks 15 and 16. Well, Latavius Murray is winning you the fantasy playoffs. If you happen to make it, or maybe he gets, I mean, yeah, I agree. And I think like, so for instance, if you draft, to your point about Dalvin cook, if you draft Dalvin cook, you don't have to get Alexander Madison, who you could get is Kareem Hunt. If something happens to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is a top five, top three running back, and that's how you that's how you win the league. Or maybe you don't even get Dalvin Cook and you've got those wide receivers. You grab Kareem Hunt at PPR anyway, and he can supplement your team and be a running back too. And if something happens to Nick Chubb, or if Kareem Hunt is just better, all of a sudden he becomes like an elite player. I mean, it there are so many little pieces you could put together. I'm not opposed to that at all. I'm just saying I think from where i maybe it's just where i've drafted so far i feel like the running backs have been safer too so let me ask you this i know that um brad evans took a, a he and peter king wrote draft clyde edwards hilaire in the first round brad evans took exception uh, where are you at on or clyde edwards hilaire right now are you how high are you willing to take the rookie in kansas city uh
1: early early second round i think it actually works um okay. Especially when Damian Williams – the moment Damian Williams opted out on the season, it was like, oh, boy, here we go. And you have to project out what is going to be the snap share for someone like that. Now, they brought in um, DeAndre Washington which I kind of like a little bit. He's another one of those guys that if you want to take in like the 15th round, what if something happens to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Or he's just not good, or he doesn't understand the playbook. All of a sudden you inherit a top 10 running back for absolutely no cost. And so that's the whole thing behind the late running backs uh, who are the backups. Like they don't cost anything, so it's not that big of a deal. You emphasize the great players on your roster. I don't know if I would do it. Like I was, If I was put into a situation where I had to draft between Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the second round, I really have to think about that because I, I just ride Kelsey every single year and he's great every single year. Sometimes it's nice to have some safety. He's suffering from what I like to call the Marvin Harrison effect where everyone <laughs> has actually owned him at this point over the past five years and there's no upside to him anymore. He's already the best. He's not getting any better. But if he just does what he always did, he's going to be awesome. But that's not sexy. Oh, I want to draft Mark Andrews. I think he is going to be the number one tight end. Newsflash, he's not. He might be the third best, but that's still not even going to be on the level of the top two guys. So there is sort of a flash thing with Clyde Edwards. I can get this rookie. And if you draft him and he is great, you look around your draft room, you talk smack to your pals and be like, I was right. I was the one who took the chance. You didn't know. You didn't believe. But it has the blow-up potential to go in your face, too. Like, there are safer options. But you say, like, Nick Chubb, I would throw Josh Jacobs into that bin. I just don't think they're that great of fantasy players.
0: So, in this draft, we did. And, by the way, this has, this, the, 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 the this a layer factor where you're like,
1: ah, look at me. I'm a
0: genius. Like, I've been that guy before. Like, 2013, I think it was, I took C.J. Spiller second overall. Oh, Which basically. was just so stupid. Right. It was, it was after his after his like good year. Yeah. I mean, it was like, what, what was that? I was like, this guy's going to turn into a monster. And then, of course, my team stunk that year. When like this draft, we just did. I actually took Chubb in the second round. George Kittle went next and then Kelsey. So I think there is some of that. It's like, well, I know, what, like you say, like, I know what Kelsey's going to give me and it's great. But what if Kittle's even better? It's like, why would Kittle be better? His quarterback's not as good. His play caller's not as good. His offense isn't as good. Like, he's probably just not going to be as good.
1: I agree with you. I have Kittle at number two. And I do think that they're fairly close to each other. Sure. Only because you see, like, the immaculate yards after catch for George Kittle. And then you think about how their team actually lines up. Like, for the first six weeks of the season, Kittle might be better. Uh Ayuk's already hurt. Debo is probably out for the first four to six weeks of the season, although now they're saying that he could play week one. I'm dubious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that there's natural regression coming from San Francisco. Any team that relies on really good defense tends to be somewhat capricious year after year. It's hard to maintain an elite, elite defense. So few teams have done that over the years that despite the fact that nothing has changed, You're just not as good. Like it happens. So, and I'm not saying like they go from number two to number 30 in the league, but a drastic drop of from number two to the number nine defense overall. Well, you're probably going to have to pass a little bit more on offense. You can't just run the ball over and over. So it does open up a lot for George Kittle just because I don't know who else is going to be getting the ball, at least from the outset of the season. There's already talk that Jarek might be playing this a lot.
0: And by the way, this is where you mar- you can marry last week's analytics week from this podcast into this week's fantasy week. As Aaron Schatz pointed out on this very podcast and in Football Outsiders, defense is not as consistent year-to-year as offense is. And so you have to build in some regression on the defensive side of the ball, as Pat points out. Um, we talked we talked about a couple of these guys, and I think Edwards-Lair fits in as well. Miles, San- I'm curious how you look at this second-tier running backs. Mixon, Chubb, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Drake, Sanders, they're all, I think, I think if you gave that list of running backs to 10 different fan, fantasy analysts, you'd probably get 10 different lists back. And let's assume that Sanders and Drake are eventually healthy and ready to go, because I think that's, that's tough and it's a fluid situation. And, you know, look, if Drake's in a walking boot in, in a week, I mean, you're not taking him in the second round. He's going to fall to the fifth round, but I'm just curious how you, how you sort of slot those guys out and, and, and what you look at, who, who you'd be targeting out of that group.
1: So I, You're right. I kind of sway back and forth on it all the time. I have an affinity for Sanders and Kenyon Drake. I just think that the upside, the volume with all of these guys is key. But the injuries kind of scare me right now. Would I want to spend the seventh pick overall on these guys? Because that's generally where you're going to have to take them. Because it's easy to say like, oh, you can get them in the second round. Well, if you pick fifth overall they're not making it back to you in the second round so you either take them then or you don't take them at all and that's where that's where the Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing really gets kind of dicey because if you say like pick ninth will he make it back to you in the second round maybe is the question probably not is the answer so then you're reaching on him and you've bought up all of his upside but you think he's gonna be good go for it I think Mixon's pretty safe Tell you the truth. Uh, I, I like Mixon a lot. Uh, he gets involved in the passing game. I think this offense is going to be better. Uh, the defense still isn't great, so they're going to be down. They'll probably have to pass a little bit more. But all you really want to do is have a running back who does all three facets of what prevails in fantasy football. Is he the primary ball handler on the ground? Check. Is he the primary pass catcher out of the backfield? Check. Does he get goal line carries? Check. If they hit those three things, they're an elite running back. That's why Chubbs and Jacob aren't.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, Jacob's thing with the catching. Now there is a rumor out there that John Gruden is so mad that Kyler Murray won Rookie of the Year that he wants to like give Josh Jacobs 400 carries this year. I don't know Wait, if I can. Have,
1: he can have all the carries he wants. That means they're going to be running the ball when they're down 25. Fun. But all they've done in the offseason was go pick up little guys out of the backfield that can catch. Like that's been their entire strategy, both in the free agent market and in the draft.
0: That's that, no, that's a fair point. I mean, that's if, especially even a PPR league, if this guy's going to be playing two downs and running three yards per time and you're hoping he, the Raiders get some good opponents in the middle of the year and he can run the ball well. Like, you know, it didn't look like he was going to have a monster season uh, out of the gate. I didn't think that e- Austin Eckler is a little bit safer than people give him credit for, but I am concerned that the Chargers offense is just good. Like you can get the Chargers offensive players for nothing. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants to get near them. Because they're so scared of what Anthony Lynn has cooked up with this Tyrod Taylor thing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Tyrod actually isn't a terrible pick. He's probably a better like DraftKings play for the first few weeks because he's going to be super cheap and he runs. So the two things you have to parse out for the Chargers offense is what does Tyrod do well? He's. Basically a game manager when you really think about it, uh, and he throws a, like really nice deep ball. I was excited for Mike Williams before the guy like broke his shoulder and probably isn't going to play Week One. But Keenan Allen remains one of the most undervalued players overall. The problem with Eckler is he's a great player. Can he sustain a full workload on the ground? Maybe. Uh, is he going to get that opportunity? I don't know. It could be Jackson. It could be Joshua Kelly uh, mixing in. Like even if one of them mixes in forty percent of the time. Now, right. if it was Philip Rivers, at quarterback, that would be fine with Eckler playing 60% because he would have eight carries per game and 20 catches per game. But Tyra doesn't check down to the running backs like Phillip Rivers does. Like That was such an essential part of their fantasy value. Like I think he's properly priced, and I think he does come with some pretty decent upside. But I would actually just go look to other situations. It's like the same reason people are drafting Melvin Gordon so highly. Newsflash, Melvin Gordon sucks. You know who's good? Philip <laughs> Lindsay. He's good. So draft Philip Lindsay in the ninth round instead of drafting Melvin Gordon in the third round. Lindsay might even be the starter by the time the season comes around because Melvin Gordon makes no one miss and his fantasy value was tied off tied up in blood dumps from Philip Rivers. So the Colts running backs if you can parse out that situation all of a sudden maybe Taylor. Everyone pointed to Naheem Hines the moment Rivers went to the Colts but Someone like Jonathan Taylor, like, he's going as a starter right now. We don't know what the actual role between him, Hines, and Mack is actually going to be. But if he can play 60% of the snaps and get the goal line, even if he seeds some of the workload on the ground to Marlon Mack, if he is the one catching passes between the top two, and Hines is going to get his either way in specialty roles, that he could be someone who, like, when we look at it next year, is where Josh Jacobs is right now.
0: Yeah, I think next year Taylor will be a top a pick in the first two rounds. My concern with Taylor, and this applies to DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins, and really any rookie, maybe except AJ Dillon for some reason, is that in this shortened off season, I don't know. I I feel like the Lions will want to use DeAndre Swift, and the Colts will want to use Jonathan Taylor. But like, if let's say that you had a you have a brand new car in the garage. And you have an older car that somebody's going to come take away from you in a week.
1: Will, yet, I run a, I, Will, I run a YouTube channel. Why do you think I have a new car? Come on
0: now. I, that's true. Right. I have two. I can't cars, relate right?
1: to your example.
0: I, I, I can't either. I have two. I have, I have like a, I have old car. anyway. My point <laughs> being, <laughs> it's a great point, man. My point being is that like, are the Colts more likely to just feed Jonathan Taylor early or to run Marlon Mack into the ground out of the gate? And I think it's the latter. Like, I feel like Mack and Carry on Johnson. And, you know, any of these running backs who were just being tossed aside, Philip Lindsay, the the established veterans with their teams are better values than people, are, people believe because they're going to get a lot of carries early on.
1: Maybe, but you are playing for, like, anyone who held on to Miles Sanders all last season who was wise to bench him until he actually showed something. All of a sudden, he won you a fantasy championship if you had stuck around. Taylor might be in the same thing. I don't see Swift that way. I just – the Lions' backfield, like, everyone gets frustrated with the Patriots' backfield because you never know who's going to be up there. The Lions are like that, but crappier.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I mean, they're, they're not good. or they, they, I think they're going to be good. But, like, they don't – I don't know. I can, I'm not buying a ton of carry-on because I'm just a little worried that he – there's a reason why they drafted Swift, where they did. And they just don't, they don't believe in him. I feel like Max a little bit different because he's actually had success for the Colts. And they've got a better offensive line, and we know that they'll feature the ground game. So I guess I'm out on carry-on in on Mac. I just don't know if I want to spend what it costs to get Jonathan Taylor. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more fantasy with Pat Mayo. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime, has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports inter-anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+.
2: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
0: okay so we talked about the running backs what about wide receivers when when you look at these wide receivers in this draft I, like this feels like the deepest wide receiver draft fantasy draft that I've ever seen, and I don't know if it's because the value of so many guys has been dinged up lately, um, or whether it's, you know, we're just in nickel or, or in three wide receiver sets 60% of the time, and so so many guys have values. you pointed out earlier, 200-plus guys can be featured. Are you more likely this year, Pat, to take a look at somebody who would be, quote-unquote, making the leap, and maybe that's a Calvin Ridley type of guy, or are you more likely to invest in someone who – you've seen have success, but is a buy low, like an Odell Beckham or a Juju Smith-Schuster?
1: Juju, I could see. So almost like I said, if you want to get a running back, and the best way to predict that is their involvement. What is their touch rate? What is their snap rate? Are they going to be on the field? Like fantasy, a lot of the time, doesn't really have anything to do with how good players are. It's about the opportunity that they receive. And I think a lot of people, like real football people, you know the people I'm talking about. Pete Uh, Yeah, like they can evaluate talent like they were running a real team. That's awesome. That has almost nothing to do with fantasy. You can say, oh, this backup, you know, he's going to make an impact because he's so good. It's like, yeah, well, he may never see the field. Not good for my fantasy team. I want the guy catching the ball 25 times a game. So in terms of fantasy, I'm looking at market share for wide receivers. How often are they getting the ball on their own team? And do they play in a high pace or high passing volume offense? So someone like, Let's say the Packers. I mean, they are by design wanting to run the ball more than almost any other team. A lot like the Titans are. But Devontae Adams is going to see like a 35% market share on that team of targets. Maybe more, depending on how the situation goes there. Meaning that he's going to have like 150 to 180 targets. Therefore, he is awesome. Someone like A.J. Brown in a team that's probably going to throw less unless the Titans are bad and fall behind, which I don't expect that they will. A lot of close games, a lot of running. Can he sustain the efficiency that he put up last year? I would say no, depending on where he's going. Like, he's going as a top, like, 15-ish receiver. That's a tough sell for me when guys like you mentioned, like Beckham or Juju are going later. But even I look at the Beckham situation. You know who has the same market share as him? Jervis Landry, who, yes, may be a bit banged up, but is going double the amount of rounds after he is and has outperformed him since being in Cleveland. Like, that's a – just look at pure market share. And generally it doesn't happen with a lot of teams. Like – Crabtree and Amari Cooper, when they were both in Oakland with David Garter, or Derek Carr, sorry. Derek Carr kind of trash, but those guys accounted for over 60% of the market share. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, when they were both in Denver, exactly the same thing. Therefore, it could be feasible to have them. That's why I like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay this year. Maybe Hawkinson gets worked in more. They don't really have a guy to throw to out of the backfield. Maybe Amendola gets like four or five a game, but those are the two guys that are going to be doing the most of the damage and getting the targets from Matthew Stafford. So when you're projecting out forward, you can say talent, that's fantastic. This guy is so good, and sometimes that works out. But is there a situation you can put yourself in where you look at it and say this team is not only going to be bad and throwing 600 times this year, this is the only guy they got. So they got to throw to him. Terry McLaurin's that guy. Terry McLaurin what might have God. 200 targets this year.
0: And he's a stud. Like, like he's – last year was not a fluke. Terry McLaurin is – an absolute monster. And I actually think that Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Haskins was better than people think last year. Like people are, that's the reason nobody wants to invest in Terry McLaurin is the fear of Dwayne Haskins being terrible, but he was actually like, he wasn't good. He was fine. You could see You can see the talent. I mean, he's in the Bill Callahan, like let's bleed the clock and get the bleep out of here offense. I mean, like it's going to be difficult for anybody to be good when they're turning around and handing to Adrian Peterson and trying to like like melt like it's like a four corners offense in in football. So yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. Like Terry McLaurin. So in other words, you're you're not even worried about whether it's a buy low or a breakout guy. You'd much rather just get the opportunity and and go get that guy. Is what you're
1: saying? So, like, three guys I have ranked over Mike Evans right now. Ooh. Which, Mike Evans, is so good. Tampa's probably going to suck, by the way. It, just, it, it, is, it
0: is a little easy to pencil them in for 10. It, it's, a, a, it's
1: a little like the Browns last year, isn't it? Like, oh, they're so good. Look at all these players. Look at all this talent. Yeah, well, maybe they're not good. Maybe their defense still stinks.
0: Well, it, it was a good running defense.
1: Yeah, I, great. I, it's 2020.
0: It's, that's fair. But I just have a hard time fading Tom Brady. But, but he doesn't have Bill Belichick now. Like, who you, would you rather invest in from a fantasy perspective? Cam. Patrick, Cam than Brady.
1: Yeah, for sure. Don't take statue running backs. Take running – look at who the best running backs are in fantasy. All the guys who run. Like, it's not <laughs> – there's a reason for that. So, yeah. like, even someone like Jameis Lasher, who was an excellent fantasy quarterback, despite 30 picks, doesn't really matter. It's fantasy. Real life, that sucks. Fantasy, right. that's good. But what else was he doing? He'd had these weird games where he'd had like, 41 oh. rushing yards. So, you get minus one for a pick but plus one for every 10 yards that you run and four yeah. points for a passing touchdown in most spots. So if you run for 40 yards in a game, that's the equivalent of a passing touchdown, right? You, you have to equate that in your mind.
0: It's why Ryan Fitzpatrick was a viable starting quarterback in fantasy last year, because somehow he was the leading rusher for the Miami dolphins in 2020, uh, the, which or 2019, excuse me, which feels like a 2020 stat. The idea like, Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins in rushing. But, yeah, I mean, if you can supplement your quarterback statistics with a few extra, you know, four to five points per week, I mean, that's enormous. That's like one to two wins over the
1: course of the season. Yeah, especially when you think about it of are these designed runs or is it just, you know, Aaron Rodgers broke off a 45-yard run one game because, you know, he just rolled out, and no one was there, and he took off. That's not a design play. That's something that happened. But you see a lot of these quarterbacks have designed running plays. That's why I love Kyler so much. Yes, he's yeah. behind uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, but he could be the number one quarterback this year. That's not out of the realm of possibility. with that pace. I've been, I've
0: been screaming that for months. I think it's entirely possible.
1: And if he runs more, and there's more design in his run, so he's like averaging six, seven, eight rushes per game. Yeah, he'll have the weeks where he's like six for 13, and nothing's really going on. But he's gonna have the weeks where he's like nine for 99 on the ground. And if he has the potential to score on the ground, a rushing touchdown's worth six, passing touchdowns worth four. That's just more points. So I mean, I hear that's the goal of fantasy: score the most theoretical points possible. But well, I think- well,
0: well, oh, yeah, sorry, Mike Evans. Yes, Mike oh, Evans.
1: Good. I have a 29 overall, not a receiver, just overall. He's a fine pick. But I have DJ Chark ahead of him. I have Terry McLaurin ahead of him, and I have Adam wow. Thielen ahead of him. I also have Robert Woods inside the top five, or inside the top seven at receiver this year. That never comes off the field. you know who does? Cooper Cup.
0: Robert Woods is. Um, what what were we talking about? We're talking about like just uh, like he's like nobody wants him. It's 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 not Travis Kelsey because Kelsey's the number one tight end, but it's like every year Robert Woods has big numbers for the Rams and he produces and he moves the chains and he's their most. You know the consistent receiver and he's constantly he has tons of targets. And everybody's like, eh, but he did, can he be, can he be the number one wide receiver? It's like it doesn't need to be the number one wide receiver. He needs to be a top 14 or a top 12 wide receiver. And then all of a sudden you get another guy and you've got two number one wide receivers. That's what you want. You need somebody with some consistency week to week. And, and he has that. He's just a target monster.
1: So all of those guys that I just mentioned are basically going at the ones going the highest. He's like mid round three, end of round three, everyone's going after that. So if you did want to do your start, and yeah. even potentially go running back, Travis Kelsey, and then four of those receivers, your team's going to be amazing. Uh, like, Chark, I, who is he competing with targets for? A rookie in D.D. Westbrook? Okay, <laughs> So it's going to yeah. be D.J. Chark. And, by the way, you want to – here. here's – I don't know how hot this take is, but Minshew's going to outscore Tom Brady in fantasy this year. Just like we kept saying that Josh Allen would outscore everyone last year, like had on every team in the last round, Josh Allen sucks. Yeah. He's not a great quarterback. What does he do? Call his own number from the one. (laughs) No, sure.
0: And Minshew's thing is he's, he's, he's very mobile, like underratedly mobile. He's going to move, he's going to move around a ton. He's going to, you know, I mean, he's going to throw the ball a bunch because the Jaguars, I, there's this, a lot of time you can play into perception too. Like I think there's a perception that the Jaguars defense is good because it's been good for a long time. It's going to be bad.
1: If They're going to be terrible worst. on defense. Yeah. It might be the worst in the
0: league. Minshew's going to have to throw the ball four, 500, 550 times. He's going to run the ball a bunch. He's going to be trying to lead comebacks. He's feisty. He can make, you know, he makes plays. And yeah, I mean, Shark and Minshew is a great stack, especially like early on in the season in DFS. And I think for sure, like during the regular season, like I don't know if I'm drafting Minshew as my QB one, but the idea of like going with Cam and Minshew is kind of intriguing because you don't have to pay f- at all for a quarterback.
1: No, and it's not like Cam's going highly either. Like Minshew is just right. being undrafted in most spots. So right. it just, if you want, if you pick a position to save the money at and save draft capital. At it. it's, I mean, everyone knows it's quarterback. Just wait till the end and pick someone up. Like, the differentiation between, like, Lamar and Mahomes is one thing, and I do think that Murray could join them. Like, the gap between those guys and everyone else, even the good players, but, like, the drop from, like, Dak to Cam Newton, and that's, like, a 12-round difference in where they're being drafted is, like, two points a game.
0: Right, and that's assuming that everything goes right with – I mean, like, Dak does have the upside to be the number one quarterback, I think, because their defense could stink – but I mean, Cam does too. Like, what if, what if he just runs the ball every? What if he gets the ball every time they're in the red zone and just ends up scoring fifteen rushing touchdowns? He he would probably be the quarterback one.
1: Yeah, and I see Dak. I see the Chief, I see the Dallas offense a lot like the Chiefs' offense, where Mahomes was running more in the playoffs. I don't think you're going to see him run a ton, but Dak almost like Josh Allen, like inside the ten, he calls his own number a lot to get in. Uh, not necessarily like goal line sneaks, but like from the six-yard line, nothing's happening. Boom. QB draw up the middle. No one's covering it. The teams eventually have to adjust to that, uh, knowing that that's going to be coming. So a lot of his rushing stats are predicated on touchdowns. I want to see volume because the more volume you get, the more opportunities you're going to have to do it. So that's the only thing that worries me. The problem is Dak can throw for 5,000 yards with these receivers. So I like Dak en- m- enough, but... Once you get to that point of the draft, you're picking between four guys. You have the top two, then you have Kyler, you have Dak, Deshaun, and Russell Wilson are all yep. on that next tier of guys. So you pick your poison with those. I think they're all four fine options. Kyler would be the only one I would be willing to spend that kind of draft capital on. If I don't get one of those guys, it's Cam, it's Minshew, it's Daniel Jones. Uh, these type of guys who are going to run a bunch, to be perfectly honest with you.
0: Uh, all right. What, what, do, how are you going to handle? So, again, we're recording this on Tuesday, August 25th. You're listening to it on August 26th. Football starts in somehow like uh, 14 days, 15 days. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of here. How are you going to handle training camp buzz? Cause we see, we talked about Damian Harris. Like it's building up a little bit, but it doesn't feel like training camp and preseason buzz, which usually has a massive impact on ADP and draft slots is going to have nearly the same impact that it it has in the years past. Now, maybe that's because the coverage is just different with with the COVID-19 restrictions. I also tend to think that a lot of people are still watching basketball and baseball and golf, and so they're not fully checked in to the NFL. Like Usually it's just NFL training camp, and that's it. That's your lead-up in August. That's all you're focusing on. Now it feels like... It's like, all right, you could watch, you could, you know, you could watch NFL, tr- NFL Network training camp live, or you could watch an NBA playoff game. I mean, I, I feel like there's some sort of distraction there. How are you going to handle trying to monitor news that comes out of training camp and 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 adjust sort of your rankings and your draft stuff?
1: It, I'm just focusing on injuries right now. Who's actually right. injured? Um, and move them down. Any sort of like, like you talk about the Damian Harris stuff. I see, I see, envision the path for Damian Harris and how it works out for him. And if there's good reports to go along with, that'll probably inflate his ADP just a little bit. But I I think that's encouraging news. I like the guy anyway. Unless there's some sort of substantial report like this guy is starting now and this guy is not. And that has been made clear, which never happens, that it's all just conjecture that people want stuff to talk about. And listen, I'm not a reporter. I'm someone who yells at a camera into a microphone for a living. (laughs) I'm more like skip bayless than i am an actual legitimate reporter but these reporters no, are looking whoa
0: whoa whoa let's not say things about ourselves we can't take back
1: Well, i love me some skip skips my guy tune into him every great? morning is sports yelling is my favorite kind of tv
0: do you watch skip bayless every morning i'll probably get in trouble for talking about this but you you really watch skip bayless every morning or are you being sarcastic
1: i i watch like six minutes of it like when i wake up Well, not when just i just to get pumped up like yeah, I like listen. There's an there's a vibe and an energy I really appreciate about stuff like that. It's performative art, and I really like it. Like you know, when I yell at my guests, I mean I'm not angry all of the time, but sometimes it's fun to yell, and sometimes people like to watch other people yell at people.
0: Are, are you angry when you yell at uh, Tim Andercust? For yes. people
1: who don't know, Tim
0: is it Tim Anderson? Tim, yes, is it Tim. he's Tim. like, sorry, go ahead. You it, it, if you watch Pat's show. Tim is Doctor Tim Anderson, who's neither a real doctor. Oh, he's, he's not a real, real.
1: He's a real doctor. Oh, he is. Yeah.
0: Okay. What kind of doctor is he? Uh,
1: political theory or something.
0: Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He's not like operating on anybody.
1: I mean, no. He to- he he once told me that he wanted to be into a situation where, if on a plane, someone said, "Is there a doctor on board?" that he could say, "Yes, but not that type."
0: So it's it's hard to you have to you have to see these shows with cuss because it's the guy is insane like the the takes that he has are it's so my boss he came on to know what is the most insane andrew tim anderson take that you that you've ever seen because like and he has this ability to jinx anything like if he's like this is going to happen it's just that the opposite of that is going to happen
1: yeah we will we're actually next monday we are recording the third annual Custy awards where we go over the worst calls he's made all year. And there's so many, it's mind-boggling. And it always happens, like, when he was victory-lapping La La Land, winning Best Pitcher at the Oscars. And then it got <laughs> taken away from him. It was minus 10,000 at the time. Like, that's probably the biggest one. Him victory-lapping Spieth at the Masters, then double dunk in the water. We won all the Danny Willett money. It was glorious. His worst take ever. He says he could, he could hit .050, so hit 50. Not 500, but 50 in Major League Baseball. Now, this is a guy who hits like 100 in mixed league slow pitch.
0: He thinks he could bat 500 in major <laughs> league baseball?
1: No, no
0: he, not 500.
1: So 0.050. So, so one hit in every 20 at bats.
0: Yeah, that's not, that's the worst take. That's like the, uh, the guy for the Eagles, the Eagles beat guy who's like, you know, I could luck into a home run, but I'd never score a goal in hockey. It's like, you think you're lucking into a home run with a, ba- like a wooden baseball bat against major league pitching?
1: Wait, And have you never seen hockey? Like, listen, if you were on the ice in hockey, just stand in front of the net. People can take slap shots at you. It bounces off you. It goes in. Like, it's not going to happen, but it's possible.
0: If you're lucky into something, it's going to be a hockey goal. It's not going to be, like, magically swinging a bat. Like, like, do you think you are, like, the the natural here? You're not going to, like, break lights by, like, actually smoking one over them. It's ridiculous. Batting .050 as an
1: average human being is not happening. What if you were, what if you're a significantly below average human being? (laughs) What happens then? So I I told him that he wouldn't make contact in 600 at bats. And then I bet him that with me pitching, now I tore my labrum in high school, so I can't hit in the eighties anymore, but I've worked it back up to the point where like I'm in my mid thirties now. I can still chuck at like 71, 72. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if you would make contact off of me at this point. No. We're, we're going to have that probably the next time I see him is going to be Christmas. So that's going to be tough next summer. We're going to go out. I'm going to rehab my shoulder a little bit more to make sure I'm coming with fire for at least 40 pitches or so. See if you can make contact.
0: And just, you just K's for like, like 35 times. Yeah. Um, okay. Give a, uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Give you some, uh, some sleepers that you're sort of eyeing uh, for the 2020 season. It can be any position can be any round. Like it, like, you know, like if you think Kenny Galladay is a first-round or worthy of a first-round pick next year, at this time, as a third-round pick now, that that can count. So any anything in that realm works.
1: I mean, besides all like the hundred people I've mentioned so far, but A is McLaurin. I, I'm getting McLaurin everywhere. Okay, uh, he's going in like the fourth round right now, maybe fifth round, depending on the draft that you're doing. I, I'm actually, I think the best way to assess because some people are like, well. You can't draft him here because his average draft position is three rounds later. Sometimes you want a guy, you go take a guy. I'm totally on board with that. But I always think that understanding average draft position, like no matter where you play, like if you draft on CBS, you go to the CBS, you open up like doing a mock draft. The drafting part doesn't really make a difference because mock drafts, no one takes seriously, but what is serious is learning the system that you're playing. So if you're CBS, it defaults to CBS rankings. So what are people inherently going to do? Look over at the list and see who the highest guy is, and they'll probably take that. So step one, just scroll through the list and, like, have someone's rankings. If you use mine, you're probably going to lose. So find someone better ranking than me. Um, <laughs> go go use Jesse's. Uh, I'm sure that his are fantastic. Um, but at the same time, scroll through them. And just see the players that don't line up with the actual system. That's the best way to actually find sleepers because you can call anyone a sleeper. You go to any site, any analyst. They're going to have every single person in the league is a sleeper, apparently. Uh, there's Excellent. guys that you can really like and you want to make sure that you draft on the systems where they have those players undervalued and then you can get them.
0: Right. No, I mean, and look, in CBS is a lot of people don't know this. I don't think I ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I do this all the time. So when you go to CBS, the draft room, it defaults to projections, which are powered by our. Sportsline computer model, which creates these projections. Now, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I, I, but they're totally different than if you, if you, if you switch it up and adjust by expert average rank.
1: Yeah, which, so, like, so, like, take Azers ranks, for example, right. and just put them up against projections. They're going to be different because projections Wildly are different rankings.
0: Yeah. You can even sort by ADP. Which is not how these are sorted in the draft room, and so if you do that, you're gonna have guys that are like a projected lower, but you might like better that pop up a little bit higher. So I would I would agree with that. I think that's almost a better way to handle sleepers in 2020 than to say because you're right, everybody's a sleeper. Who's Who's not a sleeper?
1: People know things now too. This isn't 2006 anymore where you had to go get a magazine. So if some guy got better in training camp, you know, the the people at the magazine just didn't never heard of this guy before. So like that doesn't exist. So like I said, I think you should go with the strategy. I like these mid-tier receivers. Like I said, Woods, Thielen, McLaurin and Shark. I think all those guys, you get two of those guys, three of those guys. That could be your core if you wanted to. Um, and James Connor, uh, in like round four, round five and all those. All those other running backs I talked about, the Chase Edmonds, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, DeAndre Washington. Like, pick up two of those guys. We don't know how the injury situation is going to play out. And the last thing to hammer home on this is that, I'm not big on zero RB because I think you should get a stud running back just because it's so hard to find one. But if there's ever a year where you're going to find one, it's going to be this year because of so many injury unknowns, health unknowns, what's going to happen to these guys in a bubble. But the also the other thing about zero RB of why it makes sense and why taking handcuffs makes sense versus doing it the other way with other positions is if Alvin Kamara gets hurt, Latavius Murray is now the starter. You sub in 1. Is he as good as Alvin Kamara? No, he's not. But he's 85% fantasy as good as Alvin Kamara, so it doesn't really make a difference. If Michael Thomas gets hurt, that doesn't make Emmanuel Sanders the best, run, best wide receiver in football. Those nice. targets go everywhere. We don't know where they're going. At least at running back, you can draw a straight line in a lot of situations of where the actual help is going to come from. That's what makes it a more viable strategy than just saying, oh, I'm going to take backup receivers, which doesn't make any sense.
0: No, and look, that's, I think, I think what the, and you, to marry that home to what you said at the beginning of your show too, is it's really important. You can't go in saying, I'm going to do this and this is going to happen because that's not, you know, my old Mike Tyson line, like everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face and then your draft goes sideways and you have to figure out, like, you need to go in saying, I'm going to get the best players. This is sort of my approach. We'll see how it works out. And then you adjust accordingly. And even then you should still make sure that you go out and you get, Like these back, these flyers at running back. That's how Alvin Kamara won people leagues. David Johnson won people leagues because they were drafted as flyers as rookie running backs and eventually stepped into the starting role and got to get a ton of run once somebody else got cleared out of the way.
1: Yeah, it's how Liddell Betts won me a fantasy championship in 2011.
0: (laughs) God bless Liddell Betts. That's how Jamal Charles and Sean McCoy they won me titles. Larry
1: Johnson did the exact same thing the year he broke out. He was buying Priest Holmes. Yeah,
0: but do you remember when that was? Like when people didn't know things.
1: It was yeah, kind of nice. I was much, I was much better at fantasy
0: then. <laughs> way better. I was, I won my, I won my league like three years in a row. Now I can't like even make the playoffs because everybody knows anything and they get to mock me because I do this for a living. It's like, well, you know what? Go after yourselves. Yeah, you
1: uh, know right. what? They can mock you for doing it for a living, but you still get paid to watch the sports. They have to go to their real jobs and do this as a side
0: right. So you got to talk to your families on Sundays, losers. Um, all <laughs> right, Pat, <laughs> Pat Mayo, Mayo Media Network, MM. The, the logo is delightful. Um, it is funny. So our boss Ek loves your loves your program, but he hates actual mayonnaise. So the Twitter handle for Mayo Media Network is is sort of a, a Sophie's choice for him.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not big on mayonnaise either, but I felt like it, since it's my name, I had to tie it in just a little bit. And I am like, not, not above shameless self promotion either. Like I, have, my name of my old show when I was on TV was the Pat Mayo Hour before it became the Pat Mayo Experience. Right. It was Pat Mayo Experience, changed the name, change it back. So I think Joe Rogan stole it from me since I've had the show longer. <laughs> So I'm just saying, because I stole it from The Simpsons. Either
0: the, way. Uh, wait, oh, EK wants to know if you've ever asked. No, this is for Debo says, EK wants to know if you've ever thought about changing your name, changing the Mayo part. But I, I don't I don't see why you would. It's very distinctive.
1: It's, it's a very catchy name, Pat Mayo. Uh, it's easy to remember. Most people call me Mayo in real life, so that would sure. be tough. Um, it just, it's short. It's quick. It's to the point. We can move on. Uh, and it sticks in people's minds, because it's weird. Uh, At the same time, um, no, just having when I was on TV, just I was like, yeah, I I don't want to be a shameless self promoter. But having my name in the title means when you're scrolling the guide, my name comes up all the time. And people like legit know me because of that. Like sometimes you got to look out for you in these things. Work your name. It should be the pick six will Brinson podcast.
0: In hindsight, yes, that was a mistake on my part not to demand my name be in there. Uh, But you know what? What are you going to do? All right. Go subscribe to Pat Mayo. If you listen to the show, you like the show, you like good content, go do me a favor and subscribe to Pat May- Pat Mayo's YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to ours too. Uh, Pat, appreciate the time, buddy. Always good to talk to you.
1: Don't forget yes. the audio, listen, don't forget the audio podcast. People listen to the okay. show, Will. I need I need to reach the people. Pat Mayo Experience, Apple, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, wherever, daily show. And it's not just good information, because it's not, but it's fun to listen to.
0: It is it is it is extremely enjoyable to listen to. If you're getting into DFS, I highly recommend it or just you know if you like if you like good content, go check it out. Uh Pat, good promotion. Good show. Thanks, buddy.
1: All right, man, thank you.